This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. On the Sabbath. You know, I'm a third generation Seventh-day Adventist. My grandfather started the church in the island of Tobago and my father was a member of the church and I'm a member of a church. I think um, when I was about three or four weeks old my parents took me to church. Now I, I'm not saying that I attended church all through those years. Uh, there was a time when I joined the United States military, United States Army. I was stationed in Germany, Augsburg, Germany and then transferred to Garmisch-Partenkirchen, Germany. Um, in Augsburg, I did attend the church. There were probably 10, 15 of us who attended the church. A, a Captain Braddock, who was a nurse, and then his wife, and a first sergeant from Puerto Rico, Tony. So there were 10 or 15 of us in that church. But when they transferred me to Garmisch, it was about 80 clicks away, um, um, maybe 60 miles, something along those lines. So I didn't go to church all the time. And then they had some young, advent, uh, young um, soldiers, men and women, at Garmisch. And uh, there was a nightclub in the area, surprise nightclub. And Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, you'd find them in, in that nightclub. And, and they invited me to go, and I resisted it for many a time. But there were three or four times that I... I succumbed to the peer pressure to go with them to that nightclub. I don't believe I ever went on a Friday evening. Amen? I don't believe I ever went on a Friday evening. I, I don't recall going on a Friday evening unless I blocked it out. At any rate, I went a couple of Saturday, Saturday evenings, and, and, and they were drinking, and I think they were smoking, and I don't even remember, but there was certainly lots of dancing. I just never felt comfortable. I never, I, I did go three or four times, but I never felt comfortable. And so I stopped going, and I would take a trip sometimes all the way, 60 miles, driving in, on the Autobahn, which was fun, actually, but to the church in Augsburg, Germany. So I thank my parents for raising me and setting a good example. I thank um, some of the people with whom I had an opportunity to experience Yes, I thank all of those Christians with whom I had an opportunity to spend time in church who set a good example for me. Elder James down in South Florida, Sister James, Brother Ned, even here in our church, Sister Irely Metter sets a wonderful example of letting her light shine. Sister Teresa sets a wonderful example of letting her light shine. Brothers and sisters, the book of Proverbs tells us that as iron sharpens iron, we need to sharpen, we need to encourage, we need to uplift each other. The, the older men in our church, we need to inspire, encourage the younger men in the church. The older, more experienced ladies in our church need to inspire, encourage, uplift the younger ladies here in our church. The strong married couples need to provide wise counsel, wise advice, inspiration for the younger married couples in our church. But if your light is not shining, if your light is not shining, there's no one you can help on that journey as we navigate the course to a final destination 
our heavenly home. So friends, what about your light? Is your light shining? My message today, let your light so shine. Will you bow your heads with me as I offer a word of prayer? Thank you, God, for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, I ask for forgiveness of sins. I ask that you empty me of evil and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, as I worked to prepare these words, prepare your people's heart to receive a message that will last to eternity. And let them not hear me, but let them hear you and see you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now we know that uh, some messages are meant to inspire, some messages are meant to teach, some messages are meant to correct or rebuke. Today I'm hoping and I'm praying that this message will be an encouragement to all of you here in the congregation. And as you recognize, not every observation that I share will be relevant to you, but if you listen for the next 30 minutes roughly, I am praying that God will give you one or two nuggets of this sermon that will be beneficial to you in your Christian walk. And I know we have some good prayer warriors in the congregation, Sister Vi and Sister Kathy and others, and I'm asking you to keep me in prayer as I present the words this afternoon. Now, <clears throat> I used to have a subscription to the Adventist Review, our church magazine, and I would read it diligently, and there were a lot of stories in there. And a couple of the stories from that Adventist review I'm going to use today in the presentation. So as I said, I lived in Germany for roughly uh, 18 months, visited some of the beautiful castles in Germany, and also some of the churches. And those churches, they had some beautiful frescoes, murals on the wall, as well as some beautiful stained glass windows. And so, friends, you know the light that comes through the stained glass windows in our churches? They should shine brightly, but unfortunately, sometimes those lights dim because there's intolerance in our church, intolerance to those in the highways and hedges, sometimes voiced by Christians or persons who call, them, call themselves Christians, but they don't understand that God has invited us to seek out, search out the sinners who may be lost in this world. That man on the corner of the street, that homeless man or homeless woman on the corner of the street, if you go down to um, Dean Road, I think it is, Dean Road and the intersection of Howell Branch Road, there's a homeless man sitting on that bench every week, right near that Aldi's there. Sister Kathy reminded us of him. That's our job to go out and seek out persons such as that and bring them into the fold. That's to whom God is sending us. If you turn with me to the book of Luke, the 14th division and the 23rd verse, Luke 14, verse 23. The book of Luke, the physician, 14, verse 23, and it reads something along the lines of this, and the Lord said unto the servant, go, go out, into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. This is God's house. God's house is not filled yet. God is compelling us, asking us to go out to the highways and hedges so that his house can be filled. If you're listening, if you're listening, say amen. 
If you're not listening, say, oh, me. I think I only heard one oh, me. That's good. Let's keep praying for any, any oh, me's out there so that everyone can be listening. University, is your light shining? Or is it dimming? Are you getting emotionally exhausted, tired, physically exhausted? Is the responsibility of the church too much for you to bear? Sometimes as leaders in the, in the church, it seems as though 20% of the people are only doing, are doing 80% of the work. And sometimes it gets exhausting, physically exhausting, emotionally exhausting. We need to continue to let our light shine. We need to connect to the source, the Holy Spirit, so we can let our light so shine. You know, one of the ways we can let our light shine is by reflecting on an illustration, that uh, story that I read in the Adventist Review. A young woman in an inner city, big inner city, walking down the street, had on a dress, tight, tight black dress, form-fitting. You could see all of her curves. And this woman was a woman of color. And as you know, women, women of color, they have lots of curves. And you can see them all. It was, it was low cut at the top, high cut at the bottom. There was a nose ring, a lip piercing, multiple earrings. Her head, her hair was shaved at the side and then long at the back. When she walked, you can see her move, if you know what I mean. Her entire, her entire clothing, her attire, the way she carried herself shouted her profession. Prostitute. She was still beautiful. She's walking toward the light she saw coming from a building, a stained glass window in that building. This woman, this young woman, knew that she was a sinner, and so did everyone else. Because sexual sins sometimes are especially obnoxious to those who think they're saved. So this young, beautiful woman timidly approached those glass doors trembling, wondering whether the light that she remembered shining through those doors as a child, because this was a church, and this was a church that she attended as a child. And they loved her when she was a child, but when she left and grew, uh, grew up and, and, and went away, she didn't know whether they would extend that same warmth to her once again. But as it is in many churches, there was a greeter at the front door, middle-aged lady, gray-haired. But this woman saw Mary, the beautiful young girl, hesitating as she came toward that church. She opened the door and welcomed her in, extended her arm around her and said, Welcome, welcome, Mary. Mary started to cry. She said, I saw the light. I saw that light drawing me back. Can you still love me despite all I've, I've done? Can you still love me? Mary would never forget that woman's reply. 
that woman used to be her primary school teacher. And she said, Mary, Jesus loves you, Mary, and so do I. Welcome back. Those on the highways and hedges need to hear from us that Jesus loves them and that we love them too. But remember, love is not only a noun. Love is a verb. Love is an action word. So we need to demonstrate that love to those on the highways and hedges. University, would we do the same? Would we do the same as Mary's primary school teacher? Or would she be unwelcomed in our church? Is it because perhaps she's not like us? She looks a little bit different. She dresses differently. Would we open the doors of our church to her? You know, one of the blessings of being in this church, small church, relatively small church, is that the doors of this church are open more than on Sabbath. Some large churches, the doors are only open on Sabbath. But here, you come Sabbath morning, the doors are open. First and third, every other Sabbath in the afternoon, the doors are open for AYS. Every Wednesday at 7.30, the doors are open. We welcome you to come Wednesday evenings at 7.30 for an hour, hour and a half. Friday evenings, Chaplain Wanda has Bible study. Every first and third Wednesday, we feed the homeless. We feed the hungry. Praise God that the doors of this church are open. Let's continue to ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that our doors would be open to those who are in need. Unfortunately, it's not that way in all churches. I recall a church that I attended, actually, Seventh-day Adventist Church, many years ago. This church was interested in doing a ministry, a homeless ministry. So they said what we would do is go out into the hedges, into the highways, into the neighborhood, and invite the homeless to come to our church. But of course, you know, homeless people... Sometimes there may be some, some hygiene issues. Sometimes there may be some psychological issues. Often there are spiritual issues. So the church members decided what, we'd, what they'd do is that they would set aside a special area in the church, a special section in the church for the homeless people. When they come in, they can sit among themselves here in that special section in the church. Hmm. Perhaps they were thinking the homeless would feel more comfortable in that section. Friends, the devil is pretty deceptive, you know. We hear about the devil being like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but sometimes the devil is silent and sneaky like a snake. Tell me, what person who is already on the margins of society, who's already marginalized, would want to come to a church and be segregated away from all of the other members to sit by themselves in that sanctuary? You know, I think that the church members were well-intentioned, but unfortunately when we are not being led by the Holy Spirit, Allah and the Holy Spirit, we do, we engage in behaviors that can be offensive 
and can actually push people away as, a, as opposed to letting our lights so shine so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Think about it, friends. Many homeless tend to have mental health issues. And you know what? The difference between sanity and insanity is very subtle, very nuanced. I'm a psychologist, a licensed school psychologist. And some of the clients with whom I've worked, you can determine that the loss of their parent, the death of their parent, mom or dad, can push them over the edge from sane to insane. Even with us, uh, the loss of a job, foreclosure, bankruptcy, the loss of your spouse, the loss of your child can push you over the edge from sane to insane. You know, there's a saying that goes something along the lines of like this. Um, there is not too much that separates the sane from the insane. That there, but for the grace of God, goes I. There, but for the grace of God, goes I. Thank God for his graciousness. Thank God for his graciousness that all of us woke up and we are in our right minds, as we say. We are all sane and we were able to come to church despite any aches or pains. You still were able to get up this morning, leave the house, and make it here to church on Sabbath. Friends, we need to be careful about what we do in our churches. Even the words that we say, our facial expressions can turn people away. Words, you know, they say sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt. That's not the case. Words can be devastating. Facial expressions can be devastating. God wants us to let our light shine. Another illustration of letting our light shine a story of a young man lived in the Northeast, tall young man. He used to be very handsome, tall guy, but now where he was strapping and muscular before, now he was thin and he coughed as he was walking down the street. It was a cold day. The snow was blowing all through that city, that northeastern city. He was bundled up, not in his best attire anymore. He used to have good clothing, but not anymore. Now he was a bit unkempt, the beard not taken care of, the hair a bit matted. This young man felt all alone. He used to be a member of the church, not a member of the church anymore. What happened? This young man became a homosexual lived the homosexual lifestyle, left that church. His friends who you grew up with attending Pathfinders in that church, they rejected him. They didn't want to be seen with a homosexual. It was a bit effeminate. They didn't want people to think that they were homosexuals as well, so they rejected him. Unfortunately, the adults in that church rejected him as well. He left that church, and he learned from someone that they disfellowshipped him. He didn't hear them trying to connect with him to bring him back. He heard that they disfellowship him. But now this young man was walking down the street and he wanted to come back to God. He always loved God. He knew he was not doing right. 
he always loved God and he wanted to come back and he read about a special meeting occurring at that church that evening. So he was walking to the light shining through that stained glass window. He was wondering whether fellowship that he knew when he was young would still be there for him now as an adult. As he stopped at the stair and looked up, the door quickly opened. A young man, well-dressed in a suit and a tie, came down and said, Welcome, son. It was his own father reaching out to him. The young man said, Dad, you know I'm gay. Dad, you know I have AIDS. Dad, you know that I am a sinner. Tears streaming down his cheek. Dad, will the church, will, will my church, will your church really want me back? You know, the father looked at his son. He saw an imprint of himself in his son. Son, he said, I've been waiting for you ever since you left. I've been praying and hoping and hoping and praying that you would come back. I love you, son. And they walked arm in arm into that church. What a story, university. What a story. You know, we've had persons who are homosexual come to our church, and, and we've welcomed them. But that's not the case in all churches. God wants us to love the sinner, but hate the sin. God wants us to allow people to come as they are, but not stay as they are. We pray that they will come as they are, but we pray that the Holy Spirit will be that transforming power, that mighty rushing wind that will come inside of them so that they will not stay as they are. That way they will be transformed into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We need to let our light so shine that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven, who is in heaven. You, you'd be surprised about what can happen when you allow the Lord to work inside of you via the Holy Spirit. There was a church member who went up to a pastor at one of these large church gatherings. Some of you may know about a camp meeting every year or youth federation convocation. This year we're having general conference session in San Antonio, Texas. 70,000 Seventh-day Adventists will be congregating in San Antonio, Texas. I mean, there's the business of the church that goes on, but the reason that many people attend is that you get to see people from all Seventh-day Adventists, people who believe like you do from all seven continents, North America, South America, Australia, Africa, Asia, Europe, etc. Friends, what a wonderful opportunity to intermingle with 70,000 Seventh-day Adventists. In any event, at one of these large church gatherings, a church member went up to a pastor and said, Pastor, I remember that, that evangelistic effort, that series you held in Carnegie Hall in New York several years ago was very successful. Now, some of you may know Carnegie Hall is a national historic landmark, landmark in New York City. 
very expensive place to hold concerts and events. But the church decided to hold an evangelistic effort. They had spent lots of money, spent lots of money publishing, publicizing the event and paying for the hall. But only a couple of handful of people, a couple of handful of people were baptized. Nonetheless, this church member went up to the pastor and said, Pastor, you were the evangelist at that series of, of meetings at Carnegie Hall, and I heard that 6,000 people were baptized as a result of that evangelistic effort. As I said, the pastor knew that only a couple of handful of people were baptized, so he was wondering whether this church member was making fun of him. But here's what the church member said. No pastor, it was 6,000 people. Because here's what happened. A woman came to that evangelistic effort and brought her son, and they were baptized and began to serve the Lord. And that young man, her son, was my friend, Jim Londis. And he led me to Christ. And I became an evangelist. And over the years, thus far, I have baptized 6,000 thousand people in my ministry. Six thousand people. The pastor thought that his, his evangelistic effort was not worthwhile, not successful. Nonetheless, six thousand people were baptized because Jim Londis bought, brought his friend to that to know the Lord. Does anyone, by the way, know the name of that evangelist who baptized 6,000 people? His name is Ron Halverson Sr. He actually died just a couple of weeks ago. His uh, daughter was a chaplain at my daughter's high school, Diane Halverson. And before he died, Ron Halverson led more than 10,000 people to be baptized. Friends, your one-to-one evangelism, where you perhaps only bring one person to know the Lord, where you plant that seed, that one person may, be, may become a powerful preacher, an evangelist, a teacher, a leader that can bring many lost souls to Christ. Don't get discouraged. Don't get disappointed. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, I work at a public institution and I cannot engage in active evangelism. I cannot initiate evangelism. But what I do in my office is I have some of our Adventist literature on my desk, particularly the health literature, now, I can't initiate giving it to people when they come to meet with me in my office. However, what I can do is leave it in a very, uh, very prominent place on my desk. And if they see it and ask for it, I can give it to them. You know, on my job, they know that I am a Christian. They know that I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes I've lost out on grants and things of that nature, but God has blessed me. I, I don't attend the graduations on Sabbath. Nonetheless, God has blessed me on the job because I try to live for him. Now, I'm not suggesting I'm perfect. I have a ways to go, but pray with me as I continue to try to do what God wants me to do. 
Now, as I'm getting ready to close in just a few minutes, university, I want you to remember that even, well, a blown light bulb is going to be thrown away, discarded. But even a 25-watt bulb casts a brilliant light in a dark room. Now we have these LED lights. You just need a four to nine watt LED light in a dark room and it casts a brilliant, brilliant light. You don't need a hundred watt bulb to see. You don't need to be an outstanding, prominent evangelist. God doesn't only need foreign missionaries. God does not only need elders, wonderful musicians, intellectual thinkers. God needs you, my brother. God needs you, my sister. God wants us to go out into the highways and hedges. Not only out into the highways and hedges, because some of the lost may be in this church this afternoon. When you reach out and hug someone, you can be letting your light shine. When you tell them that you love them, you can be letting your light shine. You know, sometimes uh, people in church don't dress the way we want them to dress, don't speak the way we want them to speak. It's not about condemning them. It's about encouraging them and teaching them so that they can know what God wants. So God doesn't only want us to go out to the highways and hedges, but even in our own church, we can let our light so shine. Friends, we're living in the last days. And in the last days, when you're letting your light so shine, the devil's going to present some challenges in your path. The young man that gave his testimony this morning, out of work for seven months, I believe, along with his, his wife, needed a place to stay. The devil, when you're standing up for God, the devil will present challenges in your way. We have a member in our church who's been out of a job for just about seven months as well. And I know it's frustrating, but I've seen that person stand up for God. We need to keep him in prayer. When you're standing up for God, you may lose your job. When you're standing up for God, your children may be turning away from what they have learned. When you're standing up for God, you may have two mortgages to pay. When you're standing up for God, you may not be able to pay the rent. When you're standing up for God, your wife may die of cancer. When you're standing up for God, the devil is going to take some arrows Aim them right at you. If he knows he cannot get at you, he's going to get at your son, your daughter, your wife, someone who you love. But remember this. The book of John, 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Greater is God that is within you than he that is in the world. God has already won the war. 
We may lose some of the battles if we don't depend on him, but the war has already been won. Greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. University, as I'm closing now, I want you to make a covenant with God. I'm asking and I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will work on all of us to make a covenant with God that we are going to live up to all of the light that he has given us. That despite the fact that we are imperfect, despite the fact that if you think of us in the context of pottery, a vase, sometimes vases are broken and imperfect. Sometimes there are cracks in, in the vases. But you know what some people do is they put a bulb into the vase and it becomes art or light. Our imperfections allows the, allow the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us so that the world can see Jesus. So that light of the Holy Spirit can shine out drawing men and women to Christ. The Bible says about Jesus, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Don't worry about your imperfections. Certainly pray that God will transform you into his image. But despite the cracks and fissures in your body, pray that the Holy Spirit will dwell with inside of you and that light of the Holy Spirit will shine through, drawing others to Christ.